This is the Press Box with Tyler Bischoff and NSMA Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Ed Graney. Wow. He's not as good as Gallant. Wasn't as much good sound as Gallant gave us. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> trying to remember Gallant. It's been a while. He's angry at everybody. His was about six minutes long, and it was just... Yelling at people? Yeah. Oh, is that what you think? It was great. Pete DeBoer was too nice to the media in press conferences. He didn't snap He's back He very enough. nice. Yeah, he didn't yeah. snap back enough. You wanted that? That's why I want them to hire John Tortorella. <laughs> like, I'll come in here and yell at everybody. It'll be incredible. It'll be phenomenal. Uh, so are we still doing the first bite? Yeah, that was... <laughs> The first bite. The first bite is brought to you by the VGK Insiders on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Will the Golden Knights be better off without Pete DeBoer? Well, you know how I feel. I don't think so. I don't think they should have fired him, so I got to say no to that. I mean, it. I don't know. Who are they going to hire? That's the other thing. I mean, we don't. He said yesterday, Kelly McCrimmon said yesterday, they hadn't even begun the process. Don't believe that. Okay. Did you learn anything from Kelly McCrimmon yesterday? Not much. Mark Stone is having back surgery. Yes, no, Stone. we didn't learn that. He might not have it. He said he it hasn't been Ooh, decided. Yeah, no, if he's yeah, you're right. He sounded pretty sure about pretty Wednesday. Sure, but, then he he said, Wednesday. but then he was like, it might not happen. Didn't timeline on Robin Leonard doesn't exist. I think Kelly McCrimmon did a press conference yesterday and didn't say yeah. anything for like 30 minutes. Incredible work by him. So, Kelly McCrimmon yesterday said... Two things that if they are both true, he should probably be fired. Today. <laughs> he said, A, that they need a new voice and B, that they haven't started looking into coaches that could be that new voice. And if both of those things are true, then the Golden Knights made a change at head coach for the sake of making a change. Because if both those things are true, if we believe Kelly McCrimmon, that means that the Golden Knights have not identified a coach that they know is better than Pete DeBoer, but fired Pete DeBoer anyways. And that's change for the sake of change. And that's stupid. And if that's what's actually happened, the front office somehow butchered this even more than we thought. But like you said, I don't believe Kelly McCrimmon when he says they haven't no, identified coaching candidates. There's no chance you fired someone uh, as solid as DeBoer and didn't sit down and say, especially if two weeks, two weeks passed. Right. You didn't discuss it. You and McPhee didn't discuss it. They say, well, you know, if we make this move, look who's available. Or, you know, if we make this move, I'd like to call this guy. You don't, you, no one believes that. Now, have they officially been on the phone, you know, with, let's just throw it out, Barry Trotz and saying, what do you think about the job? I don't know if that's true. But there's no chance, zero, that those two haven't discussed with each other either the names they want or would like to talk to or the type of coach they want to talk to. No chance. I zero. Bet, I bet they discussed it during the season at some point. They're like, well, if we move on from Pete, who do we think we should get? Like, the idea that they haven't discussed who the next head coach would be is it's such a lie. And here's the other part. Why would Kelly McCrimmon lie about that? Like the Golden Knights, they've they've earned the reputation of not being truthful, right? We ju we just saw it with Robin Leonard when Pete DeBoer said he's healthy and fresh, and then like three days later he's having season-ending surgery. Like they've earned the reputation that anytime they give a press conference, 
they're probably not telling the truth about everything. But a lot of times you can understand the logic behind why they would want to hide something, right? There's some reasoning. I can't figure out the logic. Why are they like afraid to hurt Pete DeBoer's feelings? That's, why? The, that's the only thing that if he would have come out yesterday and said, well, well, he wouldn't have named names. But if he would have said, we've talked about certain candidates, this is the guy we kind of are looking at. We've narrowed down choices and all that. I think in their mind, it would have been like you said, hey, we don't want to do that on the day we're firing Pete. And there's no other reason. There's no other reason that you wouldn't at least say. We have an idea about people we'd like to talk to. But the last time they fired a coach, they hired DeBoer in the same press release. It was like, the same press release. They didn't like they did not care at all. And maybe no, they liked Pete better than they did Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> but like I just I can't understand the the reasoning behind lying here. Like what I, to me it makes you look worse as a front office to come out and say, Yep, we fired a coach who went to back to back conference mm-hmm. uh finals, right? Missed one postseason, but we fired this coach, and we have zero idea who has right. replaced. Like, that to me just makes you look bad, and I can't figure out the logic for not being truthful with, yes, we have talked to, or at least we have considered some candidates for the job. Right. You don't have to name no, them. No, they're not going to name them. That's perfectly fine. But to just come out and say, we haven't considered anybody. We just fired the coach to fire the coach. I, I don't get that. Either that's – if that's true, incredibly dumb. If that's false, which I believe it to be false – I don't understand why you would lie about it because it makes you so I I don't know. I just don't understand sometimes why they say what they say in press conferences. It's like they lie for the sake of lying right. sometimes. Like they just are like, we can't give them any information. Oh, they don't want to give us anything. Believe me. <laughs> they, read like, that, they read the, that the, thing in the, the, in the New York Times about the Raiders and they were like, whoa. <laughs> I just the top of the organization doesn't like doing press conferences, and when they do, don't want to tell us anything. That's been established. But they, like, they really like podcasts. They do. They do a podcast. <laughs> they don't mind they podcast. Like. I just that was part of it that I couldn't. I couldn't figure out why they would Joe lie Rogan about that. I just couldn't figure it out. So, can I ask you this other question? A quote Pete DeBoer gave yesterday. I don't see how you can consider Pete DeBoer's tenure with the Golden Criminate. Knights. McCrimmon yeah, excuse me, McCrimmon. Yeah. I don't see how you can consider Pete DeBoer's tenure with the Golden Knights as anything but a success. I know. You fired him! And you just fired him. And he wants us to believe that it's only because, and I think you mentioned this last, last yesterday, was it about last season, or, last season or next season? Yeah. And he wants us to believe the only reason that Pete DeBoer was let go is he thinks he needs a fresh voice next season, yet he turns around and says, you know, the, the only thing this guy's been is successful. <laughs> Like, what? What did you just say? (laughs) So here's the idea of the firing being about next year and not about this past season. It's impossible for that to be 100% true because you make a judgment as a front office. You make a judgment about next season and whether or not Pete DeBoer is the right guy based on what he did in the past. Right. And so if you if you're like, hey, we need a new voice. Well, why do you think you need a new voice? Because something went wrong in the past, right? And obviously they missed the playoffs. So there is, you can't completely separate the two. You can't completely say, this is all about looking forward in next season. The only way you look forward and make a prediction on next season is by looking backwards and seeing. Would Pete DeBoer's voice would have been fine if they made the playoffs? Probably, right? Would have still been fresh if they made the playoffs? If they they win two of those last four games or something and and sneak their way in? Yeah, probably. Voice would still be fresh. <laughs> They'd be, they might still be playing right now. Yeah. As long as they avoided Colorado. Did you guys ever have a friend who would just like break up with people that they, it was like, you guys were 
super fine. What happened? Eh, just, you know, need something new. Like, that's what this feels like. It's just like, you guys were super happy and you just were bored. Like Tyler said, change for the sake of change. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. If if you believe they haven't looked into coaching candidates, it's change for the sake of change. Now, if they... Let's say they hire Barry Trotz, right? If they hire Barry Trotz this Uh week, then it's pretty obvious you can look around and say, okay, they thought Barry Trotz was better than Pete DeBoer. And that's... To me, that's perfectly fine logic. If that's what if that's what they did, if they turned around and said, hey, Barry Trotz is available, we think we can get him. We fired DeBoer. We hired Trotz. That's fine. But that's not what McCrimmon said yesterday. No. McCrimmon said, we fired the guy because we didn't we didn't want him around anymore. We need a fresh and voice. Now we'll figure out who's going to be the head coach, which would just be Well, he's, now he's, he was very specific. He said, it starts today at 2 p.m. <laughs> I don't know why he picked 2 p.m. I guess because the press conference was Because he was, was like, one. I need to go, guys. Yeah, exactly, because the there press was conference some, was at there 1. There were at least two questions that were super meandering, and at that point, I think he went, yeah, it starts at so We start at 2 o'clock. On the successful quote, by the way, I don't think you can call the Pete DeBoer tenure successful. They fired Gerard Gallant in the middle of a season. They didn't fire Gerard Gallant in the middle of a season for Pete DeBoer to come in and not win a Stanley Cup. He got he got he got hired for one reason, win the Stanley Cup with the Golden Knights. Didn't happen, right? You don't you don't fire the guy who took an expansion team to the Stanley Cup final midway through his third season and expect less than a Stanley right. Cup. That's just, right. that's just not true. So him not winning the cup, it's a very high standard to hold, but that's the standard of this organization right now. It'll be that's, the standard for the next guy. right. If if it's Barry Trotz or whoever it is, if they don't win a Stanley Cup with the Golden Knights, you can't look back and call it a success. You just you can't because they have no. Because one if they're goal. if they're doing all these things and going for the shiny diamond and the players all the time and trying to get as many good players as possible and being the favorites most time for the Stanley Cup or among the favorites, that has to be the ultimate goal. Yeah. And or why are you doing all these other stuff with the salary cap and everything else you've done? Right. And like, not that DeBoer was terrible or whatever, but I don't think you can look back and say it was successful because you you didn't win the Stanley Cup and you brought the guy in mid-season to win a Stanley Cup, right? I mean, that, that's what happened. They got rid of a coach that the fan base seemed to love and had a lot of success with the team for a different guy. That's fine. If the guy wins the Stanley Cup, great job, but he didn't. So I don't think you can look back and say successful Pete DeBoer era. It wasn't a complete failure, but it wasn't a success because they didn't achieve the one thing they set out to achieve when they brought him in. He still said nothing. I think it went on for It's quite a skill to be honest. Minutes. Oh. Oh, his end of the year. His end of the year press conference which was a very long one. His <laughs> his opening autopsy of the entire franchise. That went on for like 15 minutes and at the end we kind of all looked at each other and said that that was he said nothing and we're 15 minutes into this thing. Yeah, he's, it is a skill. It is a skill to go that long and really say nothing. It's impressive. I mean, yeah, you listen to his press conference, and it's like, huh, Don't I don't think we learned anything other than they probably lied for no reason again. <laughs> That's it. I don't, I don't know what else we really learned. Because, again, Robin Leonard, no timeline. Mark Stone is probably, but not for certain, having surgery on Wednesday. Okay, great. I guess, I guess the one thing... He should be ready for training camp, Mark Stone. Yes, he should be ready That's for the, training camp. That and that uh, and they're having a developmental camp. And uh, Mike Rosati, the goalie coach, will get to interview. He gets a with chance to interview. Coach. Yeah. That, we know that for sure. Except if they hire a new coach and the new coach doesn't has his own goalie coach already, does Mike Rosati still get to interview? Yeah. Like, 
Well, he's also inheriting some people. Right. That that's the other part. If you're Barry Trotz, if they if they like these assistant coaches, has Barry Trotz already okayed him? Right. Like how, yeah. why why are two assistant coaches fired, two still around, and the goalie coach gets to interview? Because Barry Trotz already said who he likes and doesn't like, probably, allegedly. Or maybe Rick Tockett. Coming up next, the Raiders traded Brian Edwards. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bishop. I never can get enough of that. Well, he's gone. R.I.P. the bubble butt general manager. But he didn't draft enough. That was his ultimate flaw. We looked this up. Alex Leatherwood. No bubble butt. What, what are they it's doing like he's there? got two pieces of like plywood yeah. back there. Like the number one position that they need a guy with a bubble butt, and they didn't even they draft a guy with a bubble butt. Unbelievable. Um, we didn't get to this yesterday. Uh, Golden Knights did this whole coach firing <laughs> thing, so kind of overrid some of the show. Delightful. But the Raiders uh, traded Brian Edwards over the weekend to the Falcons. They sent Brian Edwards and a seventh-round pick to Atlanta. They got back a fifth-round pick. How big of a deal do you think this is? Because I, if you'd asked me five days ago, I would have thought, well, Brian Edwards will be one of the three starting wide receivers when they use three wide receiver sets. It'll be him, Devontae Adams, and Hunter Renfro. I mean, it depends on who the next best guy is, right? I mean, if the next best guy can fill in and do what Brian Edwards is going to do or do even better, then it's not going to end up as big a deal. I mean, we don't know who's the next best guy. Well, Brian Edwards hasn't actually done very much. No, he much hasn't either. done much either. Right. So it's gonna it's not a hard hurdle to uh, right. scale. So the only two legitimate options at the moment, Demarcus Robinson and Mac Hollins. Hollins is viewed, I think, more as a special teams guy, but probably makes the roster. Demarcus Robinson, twenty five catches, two hundred and sixty four yards last season. Uh hasn't yeah. really had uh, great seasons in the NFL. He's never really been I don't even know if he's been the number three guy at any point in his career. And so it's May 17th. We're late in the off season, but there's still plenty of time before the year starts. Do you think there's another receiver coming oh. into Vegas from somewhere? I'm trying to think if there's another offensive lineman coming into Vegas. Nope, from somewhere. Forget about that position. It's yeah. unimportant, Ed. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's unimportant. They've clearly said it's not important. They haven't done anything to it. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I can't tell you who's out there in terms of wide receivers who are still out there, but if Demarcus Robinson is your next best guy, I think you're searching on a daily basis. Do you know someone? Former Patriot. No, wait. Well, did he play for the Patriot? Yeah, I think he did. Antonio Brown. Ah. No, he wants to retire a yeah. Steeler. He's not coming back. Well, you just you get him for the year and you trade him at you know at the trade deadline. Did McDaniels and Ziggler even meet Brian Edwards? <laughs> I don't think so. Were there dinners? I'm, I'm guessing no. They did not. Um, I mean, he missed dinner. So <laughs> looking through Pro Football Focus's best wide receivers, free agent wide receivers. Uh, Odell Beckham is the best still available, but he would not be able to play until what? November? Yeah. Maybe later than that. At the earliest with that knee. Uh, Antonio Brown is their second best free agent wide receiver that's available. Um, Is Will Fuller still available? Like you're, you're Will Fuller's had a better career than Demarcus Robinson, but that's sort of what you're talking about as far as free agent signings is that you're not going to find Somebody that's that great or that's still that good. a free agent will so uh, 28. So still pretty young. Right. So, I mean, I I'm guessing there could be some relatively cheap signing like a will fuller type player, but I think the, the big problem for the Raiders offense right now is the offensive line. And we yeah. don't know how good that's going to be, but, and not that Brian Edwards would have changed this a whole lot, but right now this wide receiver group, 
If Devontae Adams were to get hurt, what's happening with this offense next year? Yes, you'll still have Darren Waller. Yes, you'll still have Hunter Renfro. But, like, you're running out three wide receiver sets, and it's Demarcus Robinson, Mac Hollins, and Hunter Renfro? Like, there is not a lot of depth to speak of at the wide receiver no, position. They, right and, now, they list Robinson as the starter. Right. So... I I would say I would guess the Raiders would bring in somebody else to play wide receiver, that they try to find something else that would work for them at the wide receiver position. Because I don't know that Demarcus Robinson or Mac Hollins is like that. I don't know that that can be your third and fourth best wide right. receivers on the team right. because it, it's football guys get hurt, right? If Renfro goes out, if Adams goes out, hell, if Darren Waller goes out, right? I mean, it's a different position, but like they've got three good pass catchers. If you lose one of those three, now you're down to two and you're talking about, oh, we got to target Demarcus Robinson six, seven times a game. I I just, with the offensive line already being a big hole, the whole idea is that the skill positions are going to be good enough to sort of overcome that. And if you lose one of those three, all of a sudden you're not overcoming how bad the offensive line is if Mac Hollins has to get a bunch of targets. So I have to imagine there's some, there'd be something else coming. We also haven't asked, talked about this quickly, the 2020 draft. I mean, oh. one of the worst drafts in the history of football. Has to be. I it mean, has, your two first-round picks, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, both off the team uh, for off-field issues. Third-round picks, Brian Edwards just traded away um, for a fifth-round pick, right? Like, right. And they had to give up a seventh to get a fifth-round pick back. Lynn Bowden traded before training camp, even started after he got drafted. And Tanner Muse. Never hurt in his first year, snap. never ended up playing. No, never played for the a team. snap. They had five season. picks in the top. What was that? One hundred picks of the draft. One and, of the worst ever. And they got basically nothing. Nothing. Out of it. I mean, they got whatever Brian Edwards contributed. Right. And that's it. That overtime. So and and rugs. I'm not. Yeah. They they rugs. You know, uh, the second year looked like he was coming on, but uh, they basically got nothing. Yeah. So when you're looking at like why it's going to be hard for the Raiders to win in the AFC West. We talk about rookie contracts with quarterbacks, but it's it's true of pretty much every position, right? You need in this league guys that are on their rookie contracts or guys that are on just really cheap veteran contracts to play really well. You need some of those guys on your roster to have a chance to compete. And we're two years. We're going to be into three seasons removed from this draft class, and they're going to get nothing from it. Whereas imagine if they had just just two of those guys, right? If they had Rugs and Arnett. Yeah. If they had just a, a, another good receiver and another good corner, that could that would make a big difference. And guys that they'd be getting paid very little because they'd still be on their rookie contracts, that'd make a big difference going into this season because you'd have cheap uh players that are producing, but they don't have any of those from the twenty twenty draft class. You throw in the twenty nineteen draft class with three first round picks where None of them are actually that valuable that they picked up none of their fifth-year options. And you look around and you say, oh, wow, this team kind of blew it. Back-to-back they, bad drafts. They had five first-round picks in two years and don't really have anything to no. show for it to help this team right now. Of all the of all those, I guess the best was Josh Jacobs, and they didn't even pick up his option. Right. Running back who's played about 60% of their games, right. I think, since he's come out. Maybe a little more than that. He's played hurt through a lot of them. So. It's just, they blew I mean, those two years, you have five first-round draft picks, and they basically blew it with all five of them. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. 
Joining us now, David Roth from Defector. All right, David, I've been told you had a fun dream last night. Oh, yeah, this is, the, this is what happens. You tell Jared your secrets. You think that there's a therapeutic sort of cone there. And then if it's funny enough, he just tells you, which is terrible. Yeah, don't tell uh, no, Jared I had, anything. I had a dream last night that I had an asthma attack while I was playing for the Mets. So it was, like, cool that I was playing for the Mets in the dream. Like, I was, like, on the field. I had the whole thing. <laughs> but also I was trying to conceal from everybody that I was wheezing really badly. Uh, what, not, not, I don't know what it means. I'm probably never going to bother figuring it out. It's probably something good. What position were you playing? I was playing center field. Okay. Oh, wow, that's a specific that I, dream. That's uh, that's well, pr- player. Yeah, that's was, pretty specific. Like, every now and then you'll have one of these dreams where, like, things seem realistic, but then you, like, look over and it's like somehow like Joe Pesci is your dad now or whatever. You know, there's always like some little extra bit of unconscious throwing garbage in there. This one was pretty realistic, except for the fact that I was on the Mets. Like it was even like pretty down to the letter of like the last time I had an asthma attack, I was like eight, you know, but I was like, yeah, this is, this is bad in pretty much the same way. Uh, center field, the best position on the field to hide that you have an asthma attack. Probably. I mean, it depends how bad it's going. Like, if anybody on the, you know, what used to be called the Pepsi porch could hear me, then obviously at that point I require urgent medical attention. But I'd say, sure? yeah, probably. You got enough space. Now, are you sure you weren't standing next to Showalter and Shakira? How weird is that, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> Extremely. I mean, Showalter's really, like, kind of surprised me in a pleasant way, just as just what a strange man he is. Like, yes. I kind of, I, like, the fact that he's basically, like, constantly on the edge of either um, saying something he really, really shouldn't say or seemingly just going out and just, like, staring at an umpire until the umpire retires from the sport. Like, there's a real (laughs) strange energy around him that's not like any manager that the team's had to me. It It helps that they're winning. I mean, so, like, I like it now. You know, he hasn't screwed anything up yet. It was a bit disturbing, though. I think he used the word behind or something. Behind catcher. Yeah, Hind catcher. He wanted to be Shakira's hind catcher. Yeah, his her hind catcher. It was, and then we figured out that that was the guy behind the uh, catcher. But for a second, they were like, "What are you talking about?" Right. It's see. I think that this is again one of those things where he's not as old as he seems like he is. But every now and then, a prominent like public figure will do something that is totally inexplicable, and then you look it up and you're like, "Oh, he's 78." Like that's that's like some sort of like Korean War slang that no one understands anymore. Like a hind catcher is one of those things where like as a combination of words, like don't care for it. Like there's no way in which you're going to use that right, right? Like it's just you don't want to hear it. But at the same time, I feel like it's one of those things where like if you told me that that was uh you know whatever a particular type of like duck hunting jargon from where Buck grew up, I'd be like, oh well, you know those are his beliefs. Uh, we are, it's only May 17th, but are the Reds going to top losing while throwing a no hitter the rest of the season? I don't know how they could. And yet at the same time, I sort of feel like given the way that their season has gone so far, I feel like it could happen to them like three or four more times. (laughs) It's really incredible. Like the, it wasn't even one of those things. So when I was a kid, my friends are all Yankee fans and they were like on a summer like baseball tour with their dads and they were at the game that Andy Hawkins lost for the Yankees. He lost a no hitter four to nothing to the White Sox at the old Comiskey field. And that was, that one wound up getting scrubbed from the books for the same reason that technically the Reds no hitter wasn't a no hitter because it was on the road. So it was only eight innings or whatever, but that game they lost because there was like a bunch of really brutal outfield miscues. The Reds didn't even commit an error, and they still <laughs> lost a game in which they allowed no hits. Like, they're at a level that I have a really hard time getting my head around. 
And to the pirates. And to the pirates, right. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you don't want to be rude, but, like, that's kind of an important point. (laughs) (laughs) I've been fascinated by uh, Hunter Green, who's the pitcher that that lost it, because it's a real, like, interesting sort of case study in how hard baseball is, because he's got, like, I mean, by the numbers, I think it's, like, one of the most effective sliders in the sport. He also has the fastest fastball, and the fastest fastball is easily the least effective fastball in the sport. And so he's trying to figure out how to use them together. Before the game yesterday, I read this in a baseball perspective post. I don't know this sort of stuff about the Reds off the top of my head. I want to be clear don't, about that. Don't, don't act like you're getting out of this. That's why you're on the show is because you I, know random stuff like this about the Reds. I know, but I don't know like the opposing slugging percentage against pitchers' uh, specific pitches, but I did read that going into the game, the slugging percentage, not the OPS, but the slugging percentage, against Green's fastball was 908. <laughs> he's like, isn't he like 20? Yeah, he's like 21 or 22. He was the second pick in the draft like uh, some years ago, but he was like, a, you know, an 18-year-old or whatever at the time. He He's definitely got time to figure it out. Like, basically, he's completely flipped the way he uses those pitches from the start of the year. And so, like, it could be a weird, you know, counterpoint, but it could work. That basically, if the fastest fastball that a starter throws is like that's going to become his like show me pitch and then it's just going to be he's a slider changeup guy like by the end of the year he could not just be doing that he could be really good if he does that it's just you know he's with the red so it kind of doesn't matter like you could send him to triple a and he'd blow everybody away right you can leave him in the majors and he figures it out while periodically giving up five homers in a game right. which he's already done this year but like one way or another like it kind of this is the the advantage i guess of being on like a 56 win pace or whatever it is they're doing that like you can just sort of mess around out there it's just you know i can't imagine it's much fun for anyone who really cares about the team i'm i just adopted them because the mets are good and i need something to feel bad about oh well that's key um i'm i think you broke me a little bit hit the slugging percentage against his fastball is over 900 so like yeah you're telling me people are averaging a like one total base per at bat against this guy's fastball yeah, I mean, some of it is thrown off by the fact that he did have a game where he gave up five homers and, and got, like, seven outs. But it was, like, yes. It's, I guess it came down, because he did throw he threw it, like, 25% of the time uh, on Sunday in the no-hitter that wasn't. The challenge with it, I think, is just that, like, it's really straight. And I think that's something that, you know, getting it to 101 and keeping it there for an entire game, which he can already do, like, you know, obviously the clock ticks on that. Baseball's hard, but, like, that seems like a thing where you start with that and then maybe you can build some rise into it if you're like a good pitching coach, which apparently the, the Reds do have. And, you know, so that's promising. The issue is that, like, even at the major league level, like, I mean, it's like if you throw 99 and it's straight and it's right down the middle of the plate, like you're Hunter Strickland, you know, like you're just a guy that plays for two teams every year and they're like, well, you know, he does throw it fast. And, like, it's always loud when they hit it. So that's fun. The fans love that. You know, I think there's something, I don't know, I'm interested in in watching how he figures it out. It's just, you know, it's a really desperate environment. Like, there's definitely, you know, you can see this in the NBA sometimes, too, where, like, if a situation is crappy enough, like, no light escapes, you know, and it sort of doesn't matter if you figure it out or not, or, like, there's no way you could. Somehow I don't feel like it's there. He just seems seems like a cool kid, and I, I want good things for him. Did we see the NBA championship between Boston and Milwaukee when Boston won? I mean, I felt like they were the two best teams in the playoffs by the end of it. Uh, I, I am still blown away by the, the Suns thing. Like, as good 
as the Celtics were when they turned it on. And I feel like they played great that whole series. There's just only so much you can do with Giannis. You know, I feel like they defended him really well and he scored 40 points in every game. They just got enough of the rest of the stuff right. They looked, like, really, really good to me. But the rest of it is all, I'm, you know, sort of trying to gauge how much of it is teams collapsing under, you know, the weight of their own bad vibes or bad coaching or bad luck. Like, I still don't know if the Heat are any good. I just know that, like, again, the, the Sixers need to be, like, marked down 70% and put on sale. Like, but I don't know what, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't think the Heat are bad. I just don't know. Like, I feel like the Sixers are ready to lose to anybody. I feel like by the end, you know, the Suns could have dropped that series to the Pelicans if they needed to. Yeah, yeah we've written off the Heat every step of the way, but they're in the Eastern <laughs> yeah. Conference Final. They're probably going to end up winning the title this year, and we're going to still say, no, they're not any good. I know. I mean, it's kind of, this is what's so weird about them too, is that like, that's part of like their whole thing. And I feel stupid falling for it because the whole idea is that, you know, they get guys and they're all just sort of like, I've been underrated for my entire career. And it's like, Kyle Lowry, you are a seven time all-star, my dude. Like you are like, (laughs) nobody is sleeping on you. Everyone knows that you're really good, but that like, and yet somehow like that mindset does sort of work to me. Like, I mean, I know how good Jimmy Butler is. He's probably a hall of famer. And yet there's still something about him where, I guess just because of the way that he scores, like he scores like a guy from, you know, my youth for the most part, like there's a lot of like mid range stuff and, you know, driving layups and all that, that like, I I don't know, like, I guess maybe it's just how different they are than the other teams, but I, I take that as them being somehow less. And it's obviously wrong at this point. Before we let you go, was uh, Michelle Tafoya's tweet complaining about the angels broadcast worse than the reds throwing a no hitter and losing? I think it was in the sense that, like, the Reds are you no know, hitter and, and losing. At this point, the Reds are kind of just like baseball's weird pet. You know, like, they do something strange, and you're like, oh, look at this guy. Like, he fell <laughs> off the couch again. Whereas Tafoya, like, threw her career talking about sports on TV away so that she could go work for a, that candidate lost, by the way. She was going to go work yeah. for, like, a conservative gubernatorial <laughs> candidate in Minnesota. And now this is what she's going to do. She's going to complain that there's too much Shohei Otani on TV, a position that, as the ratio of that tweet indicates, is shared by zero humans. <laughs> Nobody is like, get this guy out of here. Like, I want to know more about what, like, what's Anthony Rendon's favorite restaurant? No one cares about that. Like, you're the coolest guy in the world on your team. Like, God. All right, David. Uh, one word answer. Does your dishwasher work? I can't give you. Well, no. Okay. <laughs> Find out, word find out next week another update <laughs> yep. on David Ross dishwasher. Thanks, Thanks David. Thanks, David. Uh, the, the Michelle Tafoya tweet at Angels broadcast. Enough with the Otani baseball chatter. One of the one of the most exciting, <laughs> one of the most exciting, popular, fun, cool dudes. Like he said to watch. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Was he pitching, um, hitting, stealing, or like doing something cool in the field? Yeah, I'm not like, gonna well, lie. What, what was the chatter? I don't care what he was doing. There was a point he was sitting on the bench. He was eating a cookie during one of their sitting games on the bench. On the bench and I was at like, that iPod. I want to see the guy eat a cookie. Yeah. I don't want to watch the rest of the Angels yeah. play. Let me see. I, the Astros and Angels are going to play the entire year for the AL West, and I want to see Shohei Otani every second yeah. of every Angels game. I want them to yeah. lose every single game they play, but Otani's great, and I don't think we can have That was just out of the blue? Yeah, I guess she was watching it. I don't know, but she just tweeted enough with the Otani baseball chatter. Wow. How lost can you be? I don't even care about Mike Trout because Shohei Otani's right. on that team. And Mike Trout actually is like, if you ever watched any of the Angels, like, home broadcast 
He actually has a personality. Oh, Mike Trout? Yeah. Yeah. You got to, yeah. I mean, you got to like dig deep. You got to dig, but he does. He just hides it from everybody. Coming up next, who's going to play for the NBA title? Sport. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. <laughs> Who's that? Patrick Beverly. I agree with him. Uh, there's four teams left in the playoffs. Who's the best player left in the postseason? Jimmy Great question. Mm. Overall? Who's the bet you all the four teams left? If you were drafting, starting a team, who are you taking? How's Steph's ankles? I might be taking Jason Tatum. I think that's the right answer. Yeah. Because he is Jason Tatum. He is the the best player on the four teams are Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, and Jimmy Butler. Two of those four are good offensively and defensively. And I think Tatum is better than Jimmy Butler. (laughs) <laughs> but Luka Doncic is so good on offense that I, I, it might have to be Luka because of how good he is offensively. And the Mavericks defensively just dominated Phoenix for two games. So there's definitely an argument that the Dallas Mavericks, that Luka is not so bad defensively that you can't hide it, that you can't cover it up. Right. That he's competent enough that what he does offensively he's is good. Big. Overrides it. Right. But it's, I think it's those two right now. It's Luka or Jason Tatum, and it's just a matter of do you want a true two-way player in Tatum or do you want the best An incredible offensive, offensive player, player right. that's left in Luka? But I think of those four, would those would be to consider. I, I think I'd take Tatum too, but Luka's, Luka's offensive game has been tremendous, and he's he's better than Tatum on that end. And yes, yes. If you can build a team around him that's good enough defensively, then... You can make you can make sure it's it's like with Steph Curry when the Warriors were on their best run, right? Curry's never been a right. great defender, but the Warriors' a team defense was good enough that it didn't really matter that Steph Curry right. was a below average defender. They could hide it. We're really good, but yeah, it's a they held LeBron to twenty five points a game. Is it weird that none of the top three in MVP voting are playing in the conference finals? Hmm. Jokic, I Embiid, mean, and Giannis all yeah. out. I guess it's. I guess it's somewhat strange, like, but it's not. It's a team game. We've just been so accustomed Embiid? to Embiid, Giannis, Jokic. and Jokic. Okay. We've been so accustomed to best player is the reason you win in the NBA. And maybe Luka's on his way there, but I I don't look around and see Curry, Luka, Tatum, and Butler, and I'm not like, oh, those are four of the top six players in the league. Like, maybe Luka's in there. Maybe Tatum might be in there at the end of this postseason run. But it's not a season where we have been dominated by, oh, the best players and the three or four best players in the world have their teams right. at this stage. In the stage. Which right. is what maybe LeBron ruined it for us, but like <laughs> what I was used to seeing was like LeBron was the best player in the league right. for a decade and he, and he always, always was in the, the finals. finals. Yeah. And now we're, and Giannis did it last year, and Giannis is probably the best player in the world. And you can. Throw Steph Curry in there. I don't know if anybody did anybody ever consider Curry the best player in the world. Only unanimous MVP, right? Like most influential because of his shooting and how it's changed the game. But I was he ever truly like? Was there at any point where you would have taken Steph Curry over LeBron James? No, no. In that four year stretch, no. where they not at all. Every year? No, so not even close. He was never no. truly the best. Even if he wins MVP, he's never truly right. like considered the best. I but. Mean, he was in the top five. I mean, is Jokic the best player in the world? He's won two straight. 
I if I was picking a team, I'm taking Giannis over everybody. Right. But Jokic is in the conversation, right? I mean, he you put him up there. The the thing with Jokic is sort of the same conversation with Luka. With Luka. Yeah. What's he giving you on the defensive end? Where Giannis has given you tremendous value on both ends yes. of the floor. So I'm taking Giannis so over everybody at the moment. But like the start of the playoffs, I would have put Kevin Durant in that conversation too. And Kevin Durant doesn't defend anybody at the moment. So <laughs> there you go. But yeah, those are your those are your top. It's just I I don't know if I like this better or not in the NBA because it fe- there's more you know parity in the NBA where the four seed Mavs are here, the Heat we can say for the entire season. Eh, I don't think they're very good, but they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. But there's always been something about the NBA where like I like watching LeBron James play, even if we see it every year. I've always enjoyed LeBron in the finals. Hot takes: Who plays for the final? I'll go. Shock. I'll go Warrior Celtics. Shock. Okay. All for the sake of being different. You go Mavericks. Mavericks Celtics. Celtics. All right. Okay. Heat Mavs. <laughs> That'd okay. be boring. I'm, not I, I, that. I'm just trying to give the Heat something. I, I will be. I'm scared of Jimmy Butler. Satisfied with any matchup as long as the Heat are as not, long as the heat are not involved. Keep Miami out of this.